join us for today's episode of the Utopian Realities Slow Save Life on Planet Earth Blog Talk Radio Show, bringing you solution bearers with practical, proven, scientific ways to help you eliminate global level irradiation and extinction level threats from your body and bringing forward the means to restore and sustain global waters, air, soil, and sentient life. Welcome. Hey, honey, what's day? Greetings. Uh, this is Siava with the uh, Mending the Hoop Midnight Special, where I share Mother's Day memories and more. Uh, we're going to, before we get started, uh, since we are on a special mission, um, and we always start with a prayer, we are going to start with the uh, Strong Women's Warrior Song in uh, memory and remembrance of missing and murdered Indigenous women, men, and children. And by Indigenous, I mean people of the four root races, original nations, white, black, yellow, red. Hey, do you know the Strong Women's Warrior Song? Not yet. Okay, it's easy. Sing it and just sing along with me. Just for MMYW and C all over Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to read from um, my friend Master Chen, bringing the Tao to the West, the Master Within, Passion for Life. And I just opened to Chapter 27, Play a Damn Good Game. Life is a game of a triangle, the victim, the persecutor, and the euro. Everyone in life plays this game in each given moment. Understand the characteristics of each role. Get into and out of the game like a true master. Learn to play the game without attachment to the results of the game. By playing the game with attachment, you will suffer from emotion and disease and thus will only decrease the power of the Yuan Shen or original spirit. When you master this game, you are able to sign a contract with your own Yuan Shen. It is like living with a lotus flower that grows in the mud, all the while presenting its best to the world. Learn to respect the mud and enjoy the flower. You need the mud to grow the lotus. When making progress, there are circumstances that can pull on you and suck your energy situations that pull you to participate in the game. How you react to these situations can cause more emotions and pull you in deeper. Disengage from becoming a victim, a persecutor, and a hero. Let a person create drama, but disengage yourself from that drama. There is no need for you to participate. Every day, so many events pull on you to participate. You must ask yourself, am I willing to participate? Will I play this game? Remember in the end to disengage. The game is merely in your own head. I feel the pain. If you give in to even a simple reaction, you feed the devil. Negative energy is all he or she wants and needs. Just a little tiny reaction. That is how he or she, the devil, gets into you and enslaves you. Appreciate everything every day, regardless of whether you perceive it as beautiful or ugly. This is the dialectic of life. Don't possess anything. Don't even possess the concept that the purpose of life is to be happy. Whether it's victim, prosecutor, or hero, see the dialectic in playing each of the three roles. Then you will understand how each role plays into the other. Have a goal of entertaining and enjoying life. How can you be the hero of your own life? You do so by entertaining life and not being entertained by life. If you have a mind and soul, then you have enough to be a healer in life. Know the game and master the game. Play a damn good game. Don't be under the illusion that goal setting comes without a cost. Find the faith and courage to follow up to Tao. Tao begins with one, one becomes two, Two becomes three. Three becomes 10,000. Life is endlessly entertaining. So do not limit 
your dragon. Feel the movement. See the movement. And be the dragon. You victimize your character because you think that you should be another character. If that is what you want, then pretend and get into a new character. When you were a child, you had an endless power of imagination. As an adult, you have to relearn to be a dragon. The way to ride a dragon is to learn to be the dragon. The chessboard is not life. It teaches you to follow the rules. Moving the chess pieces is, in part, luck. You create the move, then you create the luck. You create your own luck. If you continue to play by the same rules, then you will continue to get the same results. If you continue to see yourself as a garbage man, so to speak, then you will continue to be the garbage man. You must walk the talk. Practice your game face by developing a strategy. Pretend you are going to a second life city to shop through all the costumes that are available. Use your five senses to create a new life. You do not have the right to refuse this gift of a new life from God. The game requires 100% dedication, devotion, and discipline. The key to success is dedication, devotion, and discipline. The seed of the plant requires nurturing. So don't take your eyes off the process. The game involves going to several different places and envisioning your new costume or new life in that location. Thank you, Master Chen. That was uh, so appropriate. And now uh, we are going to listen to a song that um, I wrote for my husband, um, Kingfish Punk, a.k.a. Um, GCDW the second. It's called The Danger Zone. Well, I had no idea when I saw you riding down the street and I thought you could see who you be I was entering the danger zone Oh, the danger zone You take me to the danger zone Well, you came in and we had some tea And you found out that you liked me And I found out you made me laugh And I started to see what you're all about Oh, you're taking me to the danger zone And you're taking me to the danger zone Oh, baby Oh, when I let you in Oh, baby I'm gonna do it again Cause I like you here in the danger zone Like you're here In the danger zone Well I was living my life Just 
get to me But I saw your smile You made me laugh And I let you in Cause you're taking me to the danger zone And we're walking there Oh baby, how you make me feel I can't believe this is real oh,
who lived in Italy because I was on peace track at the time and walking, had no vehicle, and uh, that was quite a while ago. And I needed the uh, original to be safe, and so I sent it to Jenny in a CC, and she put it on her bookshelf, and it, it looked rather funky, I guess. And so she runs a summer program, or she used to run a summer program for young women, um, college credits, and she had a young woman dusting her bookshelf who threw it away. So I had to write the play again, and thanks to Robert Fitzgerald, Jane Shore, Robert Shaw, and all of my poetry teachers at Harvard Radcliffe for giving me the ability to jam in iambic pentameter. So here for the next 34 minutes, you are going to be listening to me reading all the parts <laughs> in The Legacy of Laius. Legacy of Laius by Lisa J. Wolf, MFA, copyright 2013, Lisa J. Wolf. Dedicated to Plato, Sophocles, and Diotima of Montania, seer, priestess, philosopher, and teacher of Socrates. And to Judith Malina and Julian Beck of the Living Theater, whose pure dramatic integrity and passion embody the sacred essence and purpose of theater, and to Professor Dr. James D. Vagrisoto II, who encouraged the publication of this play and inspired the character of Laius. Preface. Laius, the king of Thebes, was said by many to have been the first mortal to bring the practice of love of boys to the Greeks. When Laius was too young to rule, his cousins, Amphion and Zethus, seized power, and Laius fled Thebes to save his life, taking refuge in neighboring Pisa, where King Pelops took him in. When Laius grew to manhood, Pelops entrusted his son, Chrysippus, golden horse, to Laius to be taught the art of charioteering. Laius fell in love with Chrysippus, and during the Nemean games, kidnapped the boy and took him back to Thebes, since Amphion and Zethus were dead. Chrysippus either died by his own hand or at the hand of Pelops' wife, Hippodamia, who wanted her own children, Atreus and Thyestes, to succeed Pelops. It is said she burst into Laius's bedchamber in the middle of the night while Laius and Chrysippus slept and stabbed Chrysippus through the belly. Laius married Jocasta, who was to bear his child, and because Laius would not make amends to Hera, the Theban regent was told the child would murder his father, Laius, and marry his mother, Jocasta. And Hera sent the Sphinx to punish Laius and Thebes. And so truly begins the Oedipus cycle. The legacy of Laius happens on the day of the birth of Oedipus. The story of Laius as a Sophoclean play was lost in antiquity, but here 
it is written anew. Implications The legacy of Laius, based on Sophocles' original tale, basically obliterates Freud's Oedipus complex theories as the real impetus for the curse which compelled the son to kill the father and marry the mother and the complexes afflicting Oedipus's offspring were not the fault of the mother and the son, nor was it reflective of an inherent desire of sons to sleep with their mothers and murder their fathers, but rather was precipitated by the pederasty between Oedipus's father Laius and the son of the neighboring king. Laius is an unquestionably unsavory, arrogant, and unrepentant man who is punished for disrespecting the goddess Hera and the marriage bed, a man who chooses to sacrifice his newborn son rather than make amends to the goddess. Who knows why the play was lost? Who knows if it was suppressed due to an unpopular theme? Laius piercing the feet of his newborn son and heartlessly giving him to a shepherd to feed to wild beasts to maintain power is a horrific act. But don't blame me for the stuff of the story. I'm just the messenger of an ancient tale lost long ago only rumored to have existed. I've resuscitated the flesh and bones of Sophocles' legendary play, taking it from the realm of antiquity for a modern audience. The play could change many cornerstones in the field of psychiatry and literature as it enlightens the meaning of the Oedipus cycle, the associated Oedipus and Electra complexes, and all the other psychopathologies named for Sophocles, now legendary characters who populate these edible plays. As said by Lisa J. Wolf, MFA, Crescent Valley, Nevada, March 21st, 2013. Dramatis Personae, Laius, King of Thebes, Jocasta, Queen of Thebes, Hera, Goddess, Queen of Heaven, Wife of Zeus, Zeus, God, King of Heaven, Husband of Hera, Nurse to Jocasta, Apollo, God of the Sun, Tiresias, seer of Thebes. Tiresias saw a goddess naked and in punishment was turned half man, half woman. Shepherd, servant to Laius, the Sphinx, a creature half woman, half lion, sent to Thebes to test and punish Laius by the goddess Hera and the chorus. Scene 1. Jocasta, queen of Thebes, sits at her loom, weaving a tapestry, showing two roses climbing, two pillars, arching together to produce a third rose, atop which sits a child holding a scepter and a wine cup. Above and behind the queen and tapestry are the gods of Mount Olympus, with Hera and Zeus in rain, amidst a firmament of stars on which gods and goddesses rest. Jocasta Husband, dear, our future dwells within my womb to come and brighten Thebes' king's room. A child soon born shall raise your scepter high and carry on 
when we shall die. Zeus and Hera, parents to us all, hear Jocasta's humble call to bless this fruit of man and wife with wisdom, peace, and longest life. Laius, see, my womb does move. The child prepares to join us soon. Our love shall bear this fragrant bloom, dispelling Thebes' barren, somber gloom. Laius stands downstage at window, sound of troops marching below. Women, do not bore me with your drivel. Manliness at softness shrivels. Affairs of state consume my mind, and plans of war I must unwind. Beneath my children march in pride to serve the fatherland. They travel wide. Their youthful beauty alone can capture me as each embodies masculinity. No use for women's foolish words. The breeding vessel should not be heard, but serve her purpose and then be gone, so men's work can best go on. Jocasta. Ah, goddess, I feel the child coming in the midst of war and drumming. Laius, hold me to your breast. This labor shall put me to the test. Laius. Away, madam. And give me peace, my soldiers' virtues beckon me. Strong and handsome, brave and true, no simpering fools, the gods' pure tools. Call your nurse my dullard wife, and give peace to my imperial life. My duty to you has been well done, the offspring emerged before the sun. Nurse, come! Enter nurse. Laius. Take this laboring woman hence, so I can contemplate the sense of Thebes' affairs of state that can no longer wait. Jocasta, come to me soon, my darling lord, whose presence I do adore. Perhaps this child will bring us near, and words of love from you I'll hear. Exit Jocasta with nurse. Laius kneels and lights a candle and incense. In the light of somber day, for my passion must I pay, shall the goddess hag take her toll, for to her teat I did not hold, and Chrysippus's dead spirit scolds, that my force of love was overbold. I see the knife in his belly sink, and the love we shared cast over the brink. The reins of power in my hands give me authority like God to man. Like Phoebus Apollo, I do steer. This nation Thebes through stormy seas. Azus, love for handsome Ganymede made you bold, as Chrysippus my heart did hold. My prince, my golden horse, to bliss carried me. So why should I bow to goddess decree? When man alone entrances me, when men unite, true love ensues, and in my heart I cannot choose. Jocasta, Hera's maid, over Zeus's model form, for in Chrysippus I knew God's pure charm. Zeus, I trust you to avert the goddess's jealous harm and keep Chrysippus's memory sweet and warm. So fruitless seed I spent with him 
the love we shared, no frivolous whim. My golden horse I rode full well to heaven until cast down by female hell. Zeus, you threw Hera to the ground when she or other lovers found and showed her man is form supreme and woman's will a shrill bad dream. So wipe away the goddess curse and give to women Hades hearse and let the love of men hold sway upon my golden horse I'd play in pleasure-filled Elysian fields taking what my stallion yields. Why should I apologize for following a lover's eyes? I am a king, free of plebeian rule, not a common female mule. Azus, to you I raise this plea, to set my love for man-child free. Tether your ungracious wife, and bless this highest form of life. When God to God finds love, not strife, rewrite the terms for mortal rules. And let us be as you, to choose the perfect object as our muse, a higher love's true form complete, and show the shrewest spirit her due defeat. Children born of man with man would break cruel Hera's usurper plan, and against you, Zeus, no woman stand. Chrysippus and I, the beauteous norm, would set earth free, to perfect form, extol your strength and manly pride by blessing love too great to hide and plant a race of supermen. My sovereign Zeus, I know you can eradicate the subtle rule of women and earth reveal a purer heaven. Light fade on Laius prostrate. Scene two, Hera with Zeus. Apollo, god of the oracle at Delphi, son of Zeus and Leto, Sphinx, spotlighted above in the clouds on Mount Olympus. Hera. Zeus, you dally with maidens at your will, while I sit neglected on this hill, and on earth the sounds of hell, as humans dishonor the wedding bell, and plant weeds upon my marriage bed, and vestal vows become as dead. Laius visited his neighbor's land, and laid young Chrysippus upon the strand, and man to man unleashed his seed. Laius revels in foul deeds, and is unfit to sit as Thebes high king, having spoiled his wedding ring. This travesty by me shall meet with censure swift, and oh so sweet, to make example to mortals all before they likewise break my law and fall. Man and woman alone shall mate, so Laius now must meet his fate, and horrify all who try to change the way humans multiply. From Mount Olympus, Phoebus' seat, Tiresias, the seer of Thebes, servant to Delphi, shall carry to Laius this song of fear, and should he not recant his travesty, the Sphinx shall teach the king. He is but a wandering shade, an evil memory, to frighten all who insult me. Keeper of the marriage bed, this curse shall linger on his head, so all will know the price of misusing the love he owes his wife. He's been misled. Zeus. In this, my dear, I quite agree. 
Man's actions must not shake the sea. Should man be permitted to change the laws and overthrow order to his own call, chaos would rule and we would fall. The heavens would tumble and man design the higher levels by misguided plan. No, Hera, though I exercise my will and spread my potency to my fullest skill, you are supreme consort, goddess wife, to whom I've pledged my eternal life. Do with Laius what you must, and grind this mortal into dust. Hera, the child he bears shall slay the father and grow to be husband of the mother. And all who come to hear the tale shall know that Laius' subversive plot to denigrate the wedding spot shall lead to disaster now and ever after. Apollo, speak through your oracle, dear, and shake Laius' madness through gravest fear. Fill the prophetess with words divine, so Tiresias can translate this verdict mine. Scene 3. Jocasta's nurse enters. Laius remains prostrate. Liege of Thebes, the time draws near. Prayers to the gods must be heard to appease the masters of our fate who can wipe clean our mortal slate. Laius. To Zeus alone, high judge, I've called. The reign of women now must fall. Zeus, most royal god of earth, must uphold the higher worth of men's pure love and override the threat that Hera's placed upon my head. Tend to the queen's servant girl. I await an awakening of the world. Lights out on lower stage. Scene four. Apollo rises from his seat above on upper stage. Apollo. Now, dear Hera, to earth I fly to stir the passionate mystic Delphi. And before Jocasta's child see daylight, the hand of God highlight man's ignoble plight. From within the temple shall fly the word, and Olympus' will shall be well heard. With torch of light I'll bear the news, and ignite the spirit of the muse. From within the vapors of the earth shall rise the dirge of this dire cursed birth. Scene 5. Howling of the Oracle. Lights come up on lower stage. Laius stands center stage. Enter Tiresias, stage left. Tiresias, I was awakened from my sleep as the oracle of Delphi came to me. With hair disheveled and urgent words, the message she bore liege must be heard. Should you not make immediate amends, your life shall be a living hell. Your child shall grow to be your death and marry his mother and all the rest a nightmare to futurity. A horrific scene for all to see, and from the skies the sphinx shall fly, and come with questions that multiply the plague of death the gods unleash. Ah, leech, listen, and drop to your knees before the goddesses please, and pay the homage she deserves. Pray, lay us hear these words. Be not like me, who's felt her wrath and live forever its aftermath. For having seen the goddess naked form, half man, half woman, I am forever worm, an illustration of goddess's strong hand upon the naked body of man. Laius, 
confused eunuch, perversion curse. Why from your lips only lies are birthed? There's yet a way to escape the doom. I'll sacrifice the child as he leaves the womb. Then none can grow to invoke my tomb. And never more shall I touch the queen, but live my life with love unseen. The shade of Chrysippus shall comfort me, living ever in my memory. And the power of my regency never fail, though jealous goddess rant unrail. The mind of man is smarter still than jealous peacock on the hill. Away, foul seer, to your stinking den, where vapors poison the minds of men. And see whose wisdom guides this land. My phallic allies shall guide my hand. Tiresias, too proud to admit your great mistake, a sane man would writhe and quake. How deep your error, how wrong your course, faulty reasoning, a headless horse, and Thebes' poor kingdom shall fall with you as madness tells you what to do. Laius. Away, fool clown, leave my sight. My actions planned this fateful night. Bring the shepherd before me now, for I have reasoned what and how. Before jealous goddess I'll never yield, but shed sacrificial blood upon the field. As soon the child's first cry be heard, I'll bind his feet, my sworn royal word, and leave him to the elements to return from whence he sent, and nevermore shall I touch a maid, and return this curse unto the grave. Tiresias. Madness, madness rules in Thebes. I fear the outcome of this grievous plan that points the way to hell for man. Laius. Be gone, woman, man, away from me, or you shall feel the sword's right destiny. Your life I'll spare for Apollo's sake, to be the witness in the wake, as I for God-man strike the blow, and Hera Hag shall finally know, her cursed will shall never rule, I'll expose the jealous fool. Tiresias, what has Thebes done to deserve this king, who cannot hear the death bells ring, who believes he can tempt the fates and offer the goddess? A hateful plate? Oh, Apollo, I've done my part. And now this evil drama shall start and unravel where it will as I return to Phoebus's hill. Lights go down on Laius and Tiresias. Enter Chorus downstage. Scene 6. Chorus. We hear the whispers of madness swarm as we mere mortals huddle for warmth. Should we rebel? Overthrow the king, to be censored by Zeus, and in hell to sing? Poor Jocasta, unloved wife and queen, you're cast in this regretful dream. Your child to die upon his birth, what can be your life's true worth? Let's forget we ever heard Apollo's decree, the divine word, and close our eyes, pretend all good, our hearts as dull as lifeless wood. No celebration shall rise from earth at this poor child's ill-fated birth. Exit Chorus Scene 7 Jocasta in bed, upstage right, giving birth. A scream escapes my lips, so this the price of love's light kisses? 
Ah, child, for you I bear the cost. My painless life for you I've lost. Ah, child, now come and comfort me with angel eyes and angel wings. Come to earth and take my hand. A mother's love, you'll understand, will ever shield you, young and pure, who enter through my open door. Come, air, come. The time is here. Embrace the light. Have no fear. Mother's love embraces you, dear. Nurse. Ah, queen, I cannot tell the horrible news that brings you hell, for you must push this child out. Scream, my queen, scream and shout. I'll protect you from the truth until the time the king shall come and steal the joy you carried well. Poor dove deceived, too soon you'll know. The wasted time will melt like snow as Laius tries to escape his own misdeeds and avoid the prophecies of God's demand. Alas, dear queen, your mind shall break when you realize your hideous state. Jocasta, I feel him coming. Another push. The wave has crested. The pain is lush. Why before me do I see legions of ghouls in misery? Away, foul spirits. Leave my sight. My child is born this sacred night. And I become mother, woman complete, and taste the victory, so dear, so sweet. This shall melt Laius's heart to me. Nurse, hum me, I cry for my piteous queen, who faces forces dark unseen. Better she had never been born than to live to face this useless scorn. Her name for perpetuity shall be a token for the promises of love all broken. The child's crown emerges now. He wears upon his helpless brow the mark of goddess's vehement vow. Push, dear queen, there's no return. His advent shall bear your deepest fears. And no matter what your heart intends, the folly of man his doom portends. Push, dear queen, no turning back. The shepherd waits in hooded black to take the child away before mother's love can hold him more. The nurse catches the child as he emerges and wraps him in a white blanket. Jocasta. Does he look like Laius and me? A nurse? Describe this child you see. Is he perfect? Is he good? Hidden for months within my womb? Nurse, queen, the king has sent for him. I cannot bear to tell the truth. Kiss him once upon the cheek. My knees, my heart, are faint and weak. Rest, dear queen, and close your eyes. I'll feed you broth and tender lies. For soon you'll know what has been done, and madness and swoon to you shall come. Jocasta, let me bless him before he goes to meet the father he's never known. My work tonight has borne its fruit. Let the people know the royal shoot has borne a flower in this midnight hour. 
and raise their voices in a holy choir. Nurse, to sleep, to sleep, joke up to turn as the truth within me burns. Shepherd enters. Shepherd, I must take the child to the king who will pierce his feet and hand him back to me. Give me the child to obey the decree of he who is king and holds our destiny. The nurse hands the shepherd the wailing child. The shepherd says, Why must I honor a king who silences the heart that sings? I am but a menial man. I do each day all I can to ensure my children are fed and clothed. I kiss the hand that gives me gold, but how can I betray this innocent babe and lay him for death's cruel hand to take. I must obey my king's desire. It is my place. I'm not a liar, but look at him, so small and true, to be left beneath the cold and blue eye of the sky for creatures wild to find him there, this royal child. They'll tear his flesh and gnaw the bones, and evermore I will know that I was executioner and history show my conscience in me begins to glow. Exit, shepherd, and child. Lights out. Scene 8. Laius stands center stage with the shepherd stage right. Laius to the child. You think you'll be Apollo's hand and fulfill Hera's jealous plan? No, bawling babe. No more sympathy shall I show you than you show me. You'll never grow to take my life and share the bed of my broodmare wife. Now I pierce your feet and thread the cord, screaming of infant, and throw you to the ravenous horde of jackals beyond thieves' walls, and your threat shall be forever gone. No pity shall fill my stalwart heart to turn me back to make me stop better than knife had scraped the wound. Still, it shall be over very soon. Don't look at me with plaintive eye. Don't tempt me with your infant cry. I am a man of war and action, whose valor demands cruel decisions for the betterment of thieves and me. So, to the beasts, you're meant to be a tidbit, a morsel, a meal. That's all. The gavel has fallen. The judges call upon your head. The decision falls. Take him away. His feet are pierced. I've gone past my fatherly gentle fears. I am skilled beyond simpering thoughts. To save my seed, I'll pay the cost. Away, away now, nameless child, and be exposed to thunders wild. Leia hands the child to the shepherd and exit stage left. The piercing wail of the child continues. The shepherd. I cannot walk, but move I must. I am about to break the royal trust. A stranger I'll find to give the child who bear him far from Laius's mind on a ship across the seas. Let him be carried, goddess, please, and never again set foot upon these dismal shores. That's what I'll do. And tell the king... The beast devoured young Pussyfoot, and forevermore 
Leia thinks he's safe, and the child's erased. The secret I'll take unto my grave, and heed my conscience. Inner Lord, for this child's death at my hands cannot be borne. None shall know what I have done, and the future shall bring whatever come. The king will pay me for this task, and a bloody garment answer when he asks, so I may please both king and Olympus high, appeasing pompous Laius with well-wrought lies. Excerpt, Shepherd with Child. Scene 9. The Sphinx is revealed upstage. I come now to expose the limits of man, to show how little he understands who walks on four at morning's dawn, on two at noon, and three when night has come. Whoever cannot answer me shall fill my gullet a meal for free. This game shall endure, and Laius find no escape from heaven's rule. Sooner or later, your son shall come to me, after you earn your fated destiny. And though you think you've outwitted the plan, sooner or later, you'll understand it's best to bend to heaven's hand, for I shall wait upon the road, a merciless creature, while man grows old. The story, Leia, has just begun. Sooner or later, your time will come, and the pity and remorse you refused to give shall haunt you now as long you live. For sooner or later, you'll believe and learn the limits of heresy. I'll endure the burning sands and remain here on this land, devouring Thebans, sweet delicacies, with Hera's blessing, do as I please. Watching as at your son's unknowing hands, you fall prey to heaven's plan. And now the story will unfold, and goddess man shall ever scold the riddle I pose too deep for some. Alas! To your kingdom I have come to ensure you can't escape the fate you and Oedipus have a future date. And that was the legacy of Laius, the missing piece of the Oedipus puzzle that exposes the homoerotic origins of Greco-Roman culture, how we got to where we are today. Time is now, 
The twelfth hour is here. The awesome transformation brings natural fear. While we continue the cycle of morning and night, surviving and complying, Caught in the fight. Time to raise your hands to heaven. Time to reach your voices to the sky. Great shift is coming to illusion. We must die. Had we done different in the course of human time. Perhaps we'd have avoided this purification right. No hills to run to, no cover to take. As Earth Mother readies to shake, to shake. Earth Mother holds the rattle and sings a sacred song of purification, no righting old wrongs. And the days are by unhitting, unconscious of the time, caught in the place illusions unaware of unpaid crimes earth mother holds the rattle and sings a sacred song of final purification righting ancient wrongs sing a prayer for salvation for sanctification and release as his mother shakes the rattle praying for her peace given back in kind what's been given her don't be surprised when the spirits cry as she does what she must do Earth Mother holds the rattle and sings the sacred song as we scatter like pebbles tossed upon the tide. Earth Mother holds the rattle and sings the sacred song. Prepare for tribulation, it won't be very long. Mother holds the rattle and sings a sacred song. Prepare for tribulation, it won't be very long. And that was Earth Mother Holds the Rattle. And as we move forward in the mending of the hoof and the healing of the earth, because we are called and there is no question and you can't explain to anyone because anyone who is called recognizes others who are called. But what we are 
finding central to the healing path is uh, the blessing of the Wellbriety movement, the White Bison movement. And so as May 10th begins, we are going to listen to the uh, May 10th meditation with Native American elders by Don Coyas for May 10th. When you go inside that tower, there's no fear. It's so beautiful. There's no fear there. There's no pain, said Wallace Black Elk, Lakota. Imagine you are standing on the edge of a stage. In the center of the stage is a spotlight shining from above. If you stand any place outside the spotlight in the darkness, you will experience fear. As soon as you step into the light in the center of the stage, all fear and pain go away. When we stand in the power, fear cannot exist. How do we find this place of power? We pray our way into it. We ask the creator to take our hand and help us. When we get to that place, we will feel the fear go away. And now we are going to hear one of my favorite songs that I um, play very often. It's called Eagle in the Distance by Tony Palmer and the Breeze.
Thank you to Tony Palmer and the Breeze for being kind enough to let us play new music on the Mending the Hoop Midnight Special. And I hope that listening to the legacy of Leah, given you, listener, a perspective on the curse that we live under in this latter-day period of uh, Greco-Roman culture and exposes the secret of why the curse has been laid upon those who follow in the footsteps of Laius, of the military-industrial complex, with men worshipping their narcissistic self-love, trying to obliterate women. And if you've listened to any of the programs that I've been doing since we started the Earth Aid Now Flow, Save and Sustain Life on Planet Earth, and our former Saturday programs, Standing with Standing Rock, Savage Sovereignty, and Water Protectors, you will know that we are guided by the revealed truths shared by the late Meredith Quinn Musa. And so now we are going to listen to part two of a recording of the great matriarch, 
Agnes Strikehead by Meredith Quinn Musa. And it is a telling of the life of his grandmother, whom he calls the last great matriarch. And this section, part two, is about almost 10 minutes, and it's called What's in the Name? The Great Matriarch by Meredith Quinn Musa. What's in the Name? Section 2. She was a survivor of Wounded Knee 1890 at Porcupine Creek. Chief Bulls Crow was speaking to the grandson. What few people knew that Bulls Crow as a young man rode with Buffalo Bill's Wild West shows and could speak articulate English, telling the grandson he was hoping the trip to the United Nations would be successful, and then Wounded Knee would be the place the teachings of Sitting Bull and Bigfoot would return to the Dakota people. But it was Chief Kill's enemy who told of the event, while the government was shooting hard at the Wounded Knee confrontation in 1973. Kill's enemy jumps into his pickup truck, while bullets are going everywhere, drives up to the headquarters of the United States, climbs out, and points to the U.S. flag. That flag has gone everywhere. It has even gone to the moon, but it fell to the ground and rotted from a battle that took only 20 minutes. He got into his truck and drove back. So startled was the U.S. forces, they again asked for another ceasefire. The Battle of Little Bighorn only lasted 20 minutes. A tribal historian chiefs Kill's enemy at the Wounded Knee Confrontation 1973 told U.S. forces that the Battle of Bighorn took only 20 minutes. That must have been a kick in the head because every historian in the whole world recorded this event as lasting all day. Because of superior forces, the United States lost its battle. Even the National Geographic, Volume 170, Number 6, December 1986, Chapter Ghosts on the Little Bighorn, page 787, gives the marching army of Custer as two miles long. Simple mathematics numbers conservatively, the 7th Cavalry at better than 2,500 fighting soldiers, not counting weapons, ordnance, and Indian scouts. Just what is the statistics of the U.S. Army that it takes at least two to three ordinances of men to keep one fighting man on the field? The U.S. War Department records are clear on this time in history, but let's add one very good historical fact for the sake of those white spiritual or metaphysical occult scientists and scholars. Note, on June 19, 1779, George Washington moved the Gregorian calendar back 17 days, which now made June 19, officially June 2, 1779. Letters of President, 1779. So the future celebrations for the 4th of July should officially be held on June 17th. Official War Department records. Three-star General George Crook of the United States Army officially declared war on Dakota Empire by attacking Rosebud on June 17, 1876, calling it the Battle of the Rosebud. The Cheyennes called it the battle where the girl saved her brother, but 
General Crook was defeated this same day, officially recorded as when the sun went down. This was done by the leadership of Crazy Horse. The Battle of Little Bighorn started by the surprise attack of Major Marcus Reno on June 25, 1876. Note, eight days later, one day over for the goddess Isis to bless actions by white Christians, where every seventh is a holy day. It is recorded that the Dakota Indians were at peace, picking wild turnips when Major Reno attacked. His attack was not on Dakota men, but on women and children, where the complete family of Chief Gulls were killed. So angry was Gull over this killing, he did not pick up his repeating rift, but his hatchet, and attacked Reno and his men, driving them into some woods where he originally attacked them. Gull kept on attacking with his hatchet, which forced Reno and his men to retreat further down into a creek bed where he was found later, half crazy, trying to dig a hole with his cup to protect himself from Gull. Supporters of General Custer recorded that the reason Custer was defeated was because Reno retreated. Just what could have Reno done if the entire battle only lasted 20 minutes? This was an impossible outcome where superior weapons and war tactics and war training was defeated by a culture that did not believe in wars. The grandson had to stop and think a moment in other research. He had found another event in ancient history where circumstances and situations had another impossible outcome. The period of time is July 2nd, 408 AD. Chief, Dragon, Alaric, with Saxon, Anglia, Mercia, and North Umbreth members as the Cleopatria tribe conquered and sacked the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was forced to sign an unconditional surrender on the walls of a new archaeology find just 20 to 30 miles north of Mexico City is written the Dakota Empire leaders were present and watched the signing of this treaty. The impossible outcome could not have happened. Any scholar on the Roman Empire will tell you about the Roman legions. Say you are standing on the top of a high hill overlooking the Roman armies. No matter which way you look, and one is alleged to see 18 to 20 miles in any direction, that would be 125.6636 miles around the perimeter of the great Roman legions. No nation or country can reproduce such a size of an army today. They could and often did crush anything in their way. Yet the Cleopatria tribe forced them to sign an unconditional surrender. How they did this was kept a secret until after the Cleopatria tribe sold their territories for $17 million to the white race, February 1491 AD. Reference Guinness Book of Records. After this land purchase, the old Amiens-Marcel dynasty of the Roman Empire 
did not take over control of the world, but by the Gregorius Abul Farajius dynasty, who had put up the money. It was this dynasty that created the famous international tribunal known as the Court of Inquisition. All the descendants of the Cleopatria tribe still around the territories were brought to trial on criminal charges, their ancestors violated by breaking a code to the rules in carrying out a war. They were charged according to three international cases, Eriria versus Area, Asamentum versus Ausiamentum, and Elicus versus Salicus. Their criminal act, which is a very common word used mostly by children, it was created for these trials. A new word, frightened. The Cleopatria tribe frightened the Roman legions into giving up their battlegrounds, leaving the empire without any protection. Note, how they did this is another subject. From these trials came beheading, hanging, scalping, and removing arms and legs. These tribal descendants who belonged to royal families were shipped to other parts of the world as members of a penal colony. It can now be understood why the United States, after making certain Indians through an autonomy government, nationals of the United States, and then made the prisoners of war because the U.S. got defeated in a couple of wars with signatory Indians. Only there was no place left to ship them off to some unknown countries as a penal colony. And that was part two of The Great Matriarch by Musa Meredith Quinn. What's in the name? It was all our people that died. You don't see a long list of feds and, and death squad members and any of these other people. You don't see any long list of their dead. You see a long list of our dead. And you look at that list and every one of them got a name. name. <laughs>
And that was the Red Man's Blues, again by Tony Palmer and the Breeze. And we all bleed red. So I hope that all of us of the four directions, white, black, yellow, red, who are here for the mending of the sacred hoop and the healing of the earth and join the White Buffalo Nation, which is for the people of the four directions who have come back at this time to help Maka and Wankantanka, our father and mother. And as I got ready for this uh, Mother's Day program, I've been looking through old papers from uh, our work in Nomad Zaid, which is a principle that we stood up for in 2003, where we argued and were taken seriously by the San Diego Cruz city attorney that people of all faith and no faith have a right to sleep on the earth, their mother, either in a tent or in their vehicle. And we were doing what was called nomad aid benefits uh, beginning in Encinitas. Well, actually, our work began in Santa Cruz, where uh, the initiative was written and then we teamed up with Sarvadharma and we began doing Nomad State Benefits. And I was looking at one of our old newsletters and I saw this article that I'm going to read. It's called Heaven on Earth, Practical Call to Action. And it was written by me uh, in uh, 2003. Imagine you came to earth from heaven and looked around and saw a world of hunger, lack, war, and poverty, a world where people say they want heaven when they die, but right now are willing to participate. The master calls us to the wedding feast. Will anyone come? People say they want to die and go to heaven. Well, perhaps we need to simply lay down, close our eyes, and die enough to our concepts and preconceptions to arrive at heaven right here and now. People expect Armageddon and experience it all around them. Indeed, more people whose hearts are longing for heaven to throw off the shackles of a world system that will never produce peace on earth. We must declare our allegiance and alliance with the Creator and with one another. Love the Creator with all our heart, souls, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. These words are a practical prescription for a way of life on this planet. It is time to get down to the business of creating heaven right here and now. Many people in this country espouse the belief and faith in the teachings of Yeshua, Jesus. They hope that Jesus is going to save them, and that when they leave their bodies, his kingdom will be waiting for them. In his kingdom, goods are held in common. Everyone is fed, and there is no war, hunger, or disease. Most of the world's major faiths have heaven realms 
in which their devotees hope to dwell. Death. Didn't Yeshua say to die daily? How do we get there from here? We must be willing to choose spiritual living, spiritual community, right here and now. Is it the governments of the world that will bring us this freedom, this way of life? Is it the economic structure which makes us run from morning until night to meet our basic needs? Will we ever be able to buy heaven and right relationship? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are these empty words? People are parroting in churches, the country. Heaven on earth is possible. It is a realization among the common people and an agreement to love one another as brothers and sisters and a commitment to creative transformation. There is enough on the planet at this moment to feed and shelter each and every person. No one needs to go hungry. We have evolved sufficiently to respect persons of every faith and tradition. Religious wars can end. We can fulfill the Bodhisattva's vow to alleviate the suffering of every living being of all our relations. Choosing heaven on earth requires courage and creativity and the ability to bear the ridicule of those who believe it can never come. Greater things than these shall you do. Let us do the greatest thing. Contribute to the liberation of the earth and all her people who are groaning in travail awaiting deliverance. Are you part of the deliverance? And do you long to be delivered? The transformation to heaven on earth requires practical and careful application. Yes, a world based on love and compassion rather than on fear and economic incentives is possible. People expect Armageddon and experience it all around them. Indeed, more energy is put into Armageddon than heaven. Why is that? What would your life be like if you were in heaven? Would you be going to work every day, chasing the money to buy your food, pay your rent or your mortgage and every other thing that consumes our lives? People spend years pursuing their American dream, a house, a car, and whatever toys they choose. And at the end, all the toys, the houses, the cars are taken away and returned to the bank. People pay for the burial plot and hope that the place they arrive at when their bodies are gone, heaven will be a release from the way of life on earth. Why on a planet, which even in Western spiritual mythology is believed to have been created as a vegetarian paradise free from death, are we paying to be born, die, and for every moment in between struggle to feed and shelter ourselves? If everything on this planet belongs to our father, given to us by our mother, does it make sense that we are charging each other for our father-mother's gift? Perhaps it is time for true courage. Perhaps it is time for those people whose hearts are longing for heaven 
to throw off the shackles. And here is a uh, prose poem that I wrote at about the same time, and I call it my end. It is called Choose Heaven. On this exodus to freedom, on this journey home to simplicity, we are not alone. All of creation singing in its songs. Give us freedom. Take us home to the garden. Take us home. You are my brother. Take us home. You are my mother. Take us home. You are my sister. Take us home. You are my father. Take us home. Everyone wants heaven. Why must we seek heaven somewhere else? Heaven is here if we make the choice. Systems of power hold the earth in check. Tell us, no, we cannot have it yet. Money changers say we must buy and sell. Still heaven is calling in the midst of hell. Heaven way of life. Heaven on earth would be so nice. You are my sister. Give you what you need. You are my father. Let us plant the seed of heaven, heaven, heaven. Why wait until you die? Why invest in economic lies? Why look up into the skies? Choose heaven on earth. Love one another, feed the poor, visit the sick, bury the dead. Go within and open the doors to heaven. Heaven, choose heaven. All around us we can see, given everything we need. Earth, water, precious seeds, choose heaven. All that stands in the way, greed, fear, and false beliefs. Some will say this is how it is, but heaven's knocking will we let heaven begin? You can bring heaven with every choice, choose heaven. Competition breeds war and lack. And every day the beast he laughs, knowing full well humanity's fooled, given up heaven to be hell's tools. Choose heaven, choose it right now. How'd you be living on this sacred ground? Choose heaven. Yahuwah, our Father, gives all for free, life and liberty to humanity, in equal measure given to all. Still world powers perpetuate the fall. Everything we see, everything we touch, given freely by Father, Mother, God. Why this starvation? Why this lack? We've got to return to the divine plan. These games are insane inequity. Simplify. Time to see. We are one human family beyond the games of buy and sell that keep us tied to deeper hells. Rise up, rise up, body of Christ. Rise up, rise up, body of Christ. Rise up, rise up, body of Christ. Together throw off shackles of pain. Leave behind the devil's games. Spend your life in love and peace, praising Creator, sharing what we see. Stop pretending you don't know where the story's supposed to go. In your heart, body of Christ, you know, isn't just a Sunday school following the golden rule. Turn your day upon its head and live for God our daily bread. Why work and slay for Satan's schemes? Awaken from these hellish dreams. Who says we must accept false realities? Only those behind the schemes. Heaven says God has set us free. Share all on earth. Set the captives free. Choose heaven. Hiding in your houses. Hiding in your cars. Hiding in your jobs. Hiding in your nine to five. Hiding in your wealth. Hiding in the choices that tie us to hell. We're killing the earth in our madness. We're killing the earth in our greed. People of the New Jerusalem, it's up to you and me. Say no to the mark. Say no to the beast. What you do to the least, you do to me. The day is upon us. The day is here. Can't buy or sell without the chip you see. If you don't choose Creator's divine plan, you're only a pawn in the devil's game. 
Satan will promise you you can be the lord of some piece of humanity. Are you going to take the mark of the beast? What can you do to set us all free? Don't believe in no mortgage gains. Don't believe in no personal gain. Love one another. Share it all for free. We are one sacred community. We can have the garden now, today. If we all stop the play, take off your business suit. Stop chasing your private loot. Throw a garden. Resist the call. Babylon then will fall. There's enough for everyone. Debt usury leads to slavery and hell. Creator designed a paradise. Garden of Eden. Hidden, not lost. This earth and her riches. Mother of us all. Garden of Eden can feed us all. Are you a man or are you a mouse? Tossing dice for the teacher's shroud. The Bible ain't just a book. Way of life hasn't been lost. Rules of merchants and authorities tell us this is how things must be. Why believe the devil's lies? Body of Christ, open your eyes. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Heaven can't wait. Come home to paradise. Change your ways. Give to one another. Choose heaven's ways. You can't pretend you don't understand. Doesn't take an MBA to figure out God's plan. Love one another and share all you have. The kingdom of heaven is in your hand. Throw the money changers out of your house and live in heaven right now. Return your allegiance to God and fellow man and we can have the paradise back God planned. Shuffling numbers and economic theories from the pulpits of universities. It all leads to hypocrisy. God's design is simplicity. Love creator with full heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is an action, not a concept. Throw off illusion and do the best. People from heaven are here on earth calling out to share the wealth. People, are you going to pass the test and give this earth some peace and rest? Choose heaven. It's a radical thought. Feed one another as you ought. Love and harmony enough for everyone. Heaven's live and free. Choose heaven right now. Om Shanti. Peace. Quick note. Now I have now changed the word from God to good is a more proper word, but I'm going to leave the piece the way it is. All right, and that was Choose Heaven, and I was going by the title Rainbow Madonna uh, when we were doing the Spiritual Rights Camp Initiative. And for your information, the Native Natural Spiritual Rights Camp Initiative, which was endorsed by the National Coalition for the Homeless and by the Northern California ACLU, and which uh, came to a halt when my van died on the way to pick up food for a Nomad's Aid benefit concert to be held uh, over Christmas in Encinitas. Um, but it's still on the table. And for your information, here is the last for the Spiritual Right to Camp initiative that passed the city attorney in Santa Cruz and could have been presented to, there are two ways to pass an initiative, which brings a modification to a city code. One is that the mayor or the uh, county commissioners or the city council can choose to amend their code, um, or in the case of Santa Cruz, we had six months to get 60,000 signatures. And when my van died, 
and I had a nine-year-old homeschooled daughter who was born in a barn in the straw in Wisconsin, July 3rd, 1995, where we had traveled from a spiritual community called Christmas Star, which had been established by my dear friend to this day, John Cohen, and uh, was established to help bring the advent of Christ consciousness of Christ and was so pivotal in my life. And in any case, here is the text of the Native Natural Spiritual Right to Camp Initiative. As an addition to any city code, the code section shall read, Spiritual camping is permitted if, one, on a Native Natural American vision quest, two, practicing a Native natural way of life, three, in order to practice or express your religious and or ethical convictions, you live outdoors or in a vehicle. You shall be hereby considered a spiritual camper with rights guaranteed by Article 3, Amendment 1 of the U.S. Constitution. City personnel designated by the mayor with citation authority shall protect all constitutional and civil rights of all spiritual campers. F, the spiritual right to camp may be revoked immediately if the campsite is not kept clean and sanitary or if this article or any other law is violated or in an emergency situation to protect the public safety. G, special spiritual camping areas may be designated by the mayor. Great spirit, when you called, I answered, set my life upon the line. Walk the path of fire Spinning, spinning, spinning On a web so fine Please, Father, don't fail me On this vision quest Set my sights upon you Gambled all upon your name Your faithfulness and promise My only gain Great Spirit, hear me calling For clarity and truth your child, your bride, beloved, calling out to you. You put me on a journey, listening to your voice. Turn left, turn right at your word, surrender my only choice. Great vision quest I set my sights on you 
your faithfulness and promise my only fame freedom as a rose courage in the heart casting aside the ways of the world seeking only you great spirit to not fail us on this vision quest answer the riddles of my heart as you put us to the test i have no outer wealth no power and no pomp I've sought you in the meadows Amidst the flowers from I've danced on mountain grasses And loved you in the sky Great spirit in your promises I live and I will die Oh great Water, wind, and fire emanate from you. You lead me to the chasm. I stand upon the cliff and trust that when I take the leap, I'll rise upon your wind. Do not fail us on this vision quest. We set our sights on you, your faithfulness and promise, our only wealth. That was Great Spirit, Do Not Fail Us, that is the song that I wrote. And uh, my stage name is Rainbow Madonna. And <clears throat> in reflecting on how I got here, now I've been living in a town that's called Crescent Valley, Nevada. The White Buffalo Nation bought a one-acre piece of property in late 2004, dropped the name Rainbow uh, fully from our name and embraced um, being of the mission of being here for the mending of the sacred hoop and the healing of the earth and took the responsibility for being a hollow bone, a pipe, uh, to speak for um, the sacred mother of Turtle Island who goes by different names. So I wanted to, uh, as we close, I'll get as far in this article as I can. I'm looking at a uh, issue of the Nomad News um, from the winter of 2002. It was a zine that I wrote by hand when we were doing the Spiritual Right to Camp initiative on the West Coast before the van died and we ended up here in Nevada. This article is called Following in the Footsteps, Living in the Spiritual Legacy of Abraham and All Those Guys and Gals. And it's uh, marked with a quote, 
from Michael Stoop of the National Coalition for the Homeless. It would make an interesting court case to argue that people have an inherent religious and spiritual right to sleep camp on public lands, just like in biblical days. And here is the article that I wrote in the meditation. Santa Cruz, California, New Year's Eve, 2002 to 2003. Yoga, simple living, and the criminalization of spirituality. My guru, whom I characterize as a fully Christ conscious and good conscious master, lived in a tent for years in the hills of Santa Cruz. To some eyes, he would have appeared as just another Beck. When I met him in Ashland in 1992, I saw a spiritual giant and was blessed to travel and camp with him for 10 months. We went into the desert too, where he assisted in my deep spiritual rebirth. My teacher truly introduced me to the modern nomadic spiritual community. Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my teacher practices his spirituality outdoors and has no desire for houses. Since 1992, I have traveled to living and serving in spiritual communities. Indeed, the superiority of simple living, yoga, and community life became so apparent to me that I left my PhD program and MDiv program opportunities for the spiritual path. My guru pointed out the word homeless is inaccurate and discriminatory. John the Baptist lived by the River Jordan, and Saul, who became Paul, was a tent maker. In Santa Cruz and many, if not most, cities across America, camping is a crime. Yet most, if not all, the nomads I meet on the streets of Santa Cruz and in the soup kitchen are consciously practicing their spirituality and their ethics. Take the time to talk to the people of the street and you will find a people looking for a way of life they can believe in. Just like Abraham left his father's city and went with Sarai to live in a tent, so these people are following the call. The calling to commune with nature and great spirit, to avoid excess materiality, and to live in harmony with each other. There is community among the people of the streets, as well as a great sense of despair. The difficulty of getting on the land, the scarcity of, li of living on the land opportunities, the sense of being locked out and criminalized while trying to do what is right, eats at people and leads to self-destructive behavior. Given places to pursue our lives, such self-destructive behavior could cease. So we are attempting to educate our housed friends as to who we are. In Asia, monks travel with begging bowls. In America, panhandling is a crime, and so is selling your wares. Locked out. Spiritual nomad, a peace pilgrim must cease being a crime, and it is time to put our energies into creating the type of places people are longing for. Healing communities with appropriate technology, businesses, gardens, and schools. People are voting with their feet for a different way of life and being called criminals for exercising their consciences 
were it not for the fact that camping is a crime in Santa Cruz, I would pitch my tent and live with my child. But I risk arrest. Indeed, even sleeping in my van in Santa Cruz with my child is a crime. We roam the streets at night looking for a place to park and go to sleep with the fear of the police. As a peace pilgrim, working for the coming of the reign of peace crime. Jesus himself told his disciples to travel penniless with only the clothes on their backs. In America, his teachings are now considered criminal. And that was signed by Theodore Bliss Gardner, Peace Pilgrim. And we are coming down to uh, the close of this uh, Mending the Hoop Midnight Special where Siava shares Mother's Day memories and more. I want to thank you for joining us live and also uh, for listening um, later. And we are going to close with another song that uh, I wrote. This is Rainbow Madonna singing uh, Come Now Let Us Reason. It is a uh, compilation of psalms from the Old Testament. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Lessons are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they flow red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The mountain of the Lord will be established as highest of the high. Many people will come and cry, come, let us go to the mountain of the lady. She will teach us her way so we may follow. She will judge between the nations and will settle our disputes. Who will beat our swords to plowshares and our spears to pruning hooks? Who has counselor, mighty good princess of peace? Out of love, great spirits then will be established as highest of the high. Many people will come and cry, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways, so we must follow. They will judge between the nations, and will settle our disputes. Who will beat our swords to plowshares, and our spears to pruning hooks? Come now, let us reason together, says Great Spirit, for our sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they flow red as crimson, they shall be like wool.
And as we come to a close, I'm going to read an old mission statement. The White Buffalo Nation seeks to embody the spirit of the White Buffalo Cab woman, working for that which inaugurates an age of peace and prosperity and assists in intertribal harmony between traditional American Indians and non-Native people who also wish to live tribally and seek a place in the tribal councils of America. The White Buffalo Nation is a spiritual association for Native natural persons committed to simple living, healing the earth and self, and living in sacred community. The White Buffalo Nation advocates for the needs and rights of Native natural and nomadic peoples of the Americas. In working for the healing of the earth and the mending of the sacred hoop, the White Buffalo Nation seeks to be a voice and vehicle for the earth and elements and those people and creatures disenfranchised by being mute and or impoverished. The White Buffalo Nation envisions and assists in the development and sustainability of oases, healing communities for those men and women and their families who served our country in war and peace in the armed forces and service organizations and their families, as well as nomadic youth, families, and individuals. Communities with organic gardens, sustainable technology businesses, schools, traditional craft literacy, physical training, healing and regeneration through diet and nutraceutical programs and sweat lodges and native spiritual guidance and practice. And with that, we are going to close this episode once more with uh, the Strong Women's Warrior song. As we remember those mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, infants taken from us by the legacy of Laius, may the earth be restored to the original divine plan. Ahomatapiyase. This has been Siava Bliss Gardner Punk Lisa Jane Wolf Wright, also known as Rainbow Madonna. Hey, do you know the Strong Woman Warrior song? Not yet. Lisa? <laughs> okay, it's easy. Don't sing it, you just sing along with me. This is for MMYW and T all over Sunlight. Mm-hmm.
This has been Siava Rainbow Madonna, live from the home now, Heaven on Mother Earth Now Garden. This has been a one-shot wonder production of Walla Wonkantonka Radio. Yes, she really just said that. Dang. Aho Matakwiase. Blessings to all my relations. And as... We say in Lakota, Doksha. Ahomatakriyate. <laughs>